It's Valentine's Day, and in the Wild Child Garden, that means today is all about companions. Companion planting, that is. I can't wait to share with you the Wild Child method of companion planting that's going to take your garden to the next level. Let's dig in. Hey, Zone 9 Gardener, did you know that you can harvest from your backyard garden 52 weeks a year? That's right. In the Wild Child Garden, there's no need for cover crops. There's never a time when we can't plant something, and there's always room to add some beauty. On the Wild Child Kitchen Gardening Podcast, I'm going to show you how to turn your garden into a wild child garden. And you can learn more about growing beautiful veggies the wild child way at www.releaseyourinnerwildchild.com. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 49, and today we are digging into companion planting. Did you get your potatoes planted last week? I hope that you did. You still have a little more time. At the time I'm recording this, you got about two more weeks to get those potatoes in the ground, so don't delay. If you haven't even thought about growing potatoes yet, go back and listen to episode number 48, Is Growing Potatoes Worth It? I'm going to share with you why I think that it most definitely is, and I'm going to share with you some of my favorite things to think about when growing potatoes. But today, we're talking about companion planting. Now, maybe you are already companion planting in your garden. Maybe you have been really good at this. You've incorporated some herbs and you've incorporated some vegetables inside of your garden so far, and you really want to take it up a notch. Well, that is what a wild child companion plan does. It's companion planting next level. And today, I really want to dig into how we create this wild child companion plan so that you can do this as well in your backyard garden, whether you have companions already or you have never considered companion planting. This episode, I think, is going to really open your eyes to a whole new way of looking at how we plan and plant our vegetable gardens. So, This is what we're going to start with. I've got three steps here, and it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I've got a freebie for you, and I even have a free class that you can head over and register for so that you can become a companion planting expert for this garden season. When I started companion planting seven or eight years ago, my entire garden transformed. My entire backyard transformed. Everything about my home and my outdoor space and my indoor space transformed. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, how in the world did that happen with just a few different plants? I'm going to share that with you today. But what I want you to understand is there's companion planting and then there's wild child companion planting. Okay, let's start with companion planting. Let's start there and kind of work our way into wild child companion planting. So companion planting has been around forever and ever. One of the first accounts in America that we have of a companion planted garden is with the Native Americans. They would plant what is called the three sisters method. Now we don't use this method inside of the wild child garden for various reasons, but for the most part, it is just really outdated and there are so many better ways to use that same amount of space. But it is a great look into how companion planting works. And it's also 
an idea that a lot of people can visualize. So it works as a really good teacher. And isn't history always that for us? We should always look at history not as something that we want to mimic in every way, but in something that we can learn from. Remember, if you don't learn from history, it just continues repeating itself. In a lot of ways, that's good. and a lot of ways, that's bad. Can you tell I was a English and history teacher in my previous life? So let's get back to gardening. When you think about companion planting in the Three Sisters Method, this is a really easy companion plan to understand. So let me explain it to you. Basically, what you do is you plant corn first and then as your corn gets about two to three inches tall, you come in and plant pole beans. Pole beans are going to then germinate and they are going to grow up the corn stalk and use that corn stalk as a support system for its long polling vines, right? Once your pole beans attach to the corn, then you're going to come back and you're going to put in on top of your pole beans squash. And the squash will then shade the roots of the pole beans and the corn and give weed suppression, nutrient retention to what else is growing there. So you get corn, pole beans, and squash all in the same space that most people would only be planting corn. You understand? That is the three sisters method. Now, again, I'm not advocating for the Three Sisters Method. It is not a method that I recommend or teach inside any of my programs, but it is a good way to begin understanding companion planting because it can be a little bit nuanced. It can be something that you feel like if you don't get exactly right, you're going to get wrong. In fact, if you haven't already, download my garden guide at the link below because it's going to give you all of my favorite varieties to grow. And I only bring this up because it's an amazing garden guide for sure. But there are no companions on it. And I got a lot of questions about that. This garden guide's updated this year for the first time in several years. And I got a lot of messages of people saying, but where's the companions? I have your other guide and it has companions in it. And my answer to this is we've really eliminated rules of companion planting inside of the wild child gardening method because what we found is that really and truly everybody pretty much gets along with the exception of just a few plants that really you're probably not going to be growing together anyway if you're following the wild child gardening method so you don't necessarily need to have all of these companion planting rules and the rules can be a little bit intimidating they can make you feel again like if you don't get it right then you're getting it wrong so we took them completely out of the Wild Child Garden Guide. Now, what's in the Garden Guide is, of course, spacing requirements, whether you should start them by seed or if you should start them indoors. If you should start them indoors, when? How many you should plant for your goals? How many days it's going to take them to get to harvest? So many great things in the Garden Guide. But you will notice that companions are not in there at all anymore. What we've learned is, there are no right and wrong ways to companion plant. There are pros and cons to combining every plant with another companion. But what we have really, really dug into is this idea of developing our garden guts. Growing as a gardener. We say it all the time. At Wild Child Kitchen Gardens, we grow gardeners. 
We want you to become a gardener. And that comes from developing your garden gut. That comes from you trying something and realizing that it worked really, really well or trying something and realizing that it didn't work as well as you had hoped that it would. That's really how we found ourselves inside of the garden club with the three sisters method. One season, one of our members decided she was going to try it and it was frustrating to her and um, she ended up redoing things very quickly after she planted them because it is an outdated companion planting method if you are growing the wild child way because we have come so far. We have transformed our gardens so much that even methods such as the three sisters just don't fit in our plans anymore. So you might be wondering, well, what does fit into your plans? And I'm going to share that with you today. But more importantly than that, I want you to take a minute to really think about your garden. I want you to think about how you want your garden to grow, what you want in your garden. What are your garden goals? We have talked about that so much. One place that we talk about it a lot is in the podcast episode entitled Spring Dreaming, and that is episode number 47. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, you should do that because we talk a lot about your garden goals and also looking back at what worked and what didn't inside of your garden last year. So important to do that, so overlooked by so many people, and I really believe it is responsible for why there are so many frustrated gardeners out there because we just don't take the time, it seems, to put in this groundwork to get our garden brain and our garden gut aligned to actually plant our garden. So I could talk about that forever, but let's get back to companions. That's why you're here. You want to understand how to plant your garden with a wild child companion mindset. Here's how you're going to do it. It's three steps. It's very simple. First, you're going to start with vegetables. Always start with vegetables. How many times have you seen a gorgeous garden online and you look at it and think to yourself, that garden is beautiful. It is full. It's got so much green, so many flowers. But then you start looking around and you ask yourself, but where are the vegetables? A lot of times what you will find is that people will call their gardens a vegetable garden because they've got one tomato plant in a pot amongst a bunch of herbs and flowers. That is not wrong. That is not a bad way to grow a garden. But I will tell you, it is a poorly designed vegetable garden if it was designed at all. The reason I say that is because you don't need a whole lot of herbs to do a whole lot with herbs. They are the gift that keeps on giving. And you are wasting space by filling this space with 15 or 20 basil plants. Yes, it's going to make your garden full, but there is no way you will ever use that amount of basil unless, of course, one of your garden goals is something that's related to basil. Then, of course, fill your beds with it. But for most of us, we would like other things too. And that's the beauty of the wild child garden. We can have it all. We can have it all. And we can have as much of all of it as we want by simply 
using this companion planting method and aligning it with our garden goals. So we start with the vegetables because that's why we're all here, right? What vegetables do you want to grow? What vegetables are the most important to you? That is where you're going to start. Then once you have lined out and know what it is that you want to grow vegetable-wise, then you can start looking at other things. You can start looking at your herbs and the flowers that you want to include. But you never want to prioritize those guys over your vegetables. And the reason I say that is because as you plant your vegetables, what you're going to find is that as you follow these spacing guidelines, you're going to have a lot of empty space. And what you're usually going to be tempted to do is plant them closer together, right? If the tomato says it needs 18 inches of space, you look at it, it seems like it is worlds apart from its neighbor, so you're going to only give it 12 inches of space. Well, when we do that, what ends up happening is you get this jungle effect. Nothing actually does what it's supposed to do. The pest love a jungle, let me tell you, and so does disease. So if you don't give your vegetables proper spacing, you end up with a mess on your hands that leaves you very, very frustrated at the end of the garden season. But you don't have to leave those spaces empty either. That is where the companions come in. So that is where your herbs and your flowers are going to get to make their big debut. But we want our vegetables to be the dominant main focus of our vegetable gardens. It makes sense, right? Now we're going to pack in the herbs in the empty spaces because they work so hard for us. They are natural pest deterrents. They are going to give and give and give so much in such a small space. They're all going to be cut and come again, which means they are going to grow from the time you plant them all the way to either first frost or last frost. So they give you a lot for a very long time. So by no means am I telling you not to plant them. But what I am telling you is you may want to strategically plant them so as they do not interfere with your vegetables. They are a gardener's superpower. You do not want to skip out on your herbs. But I'm going to tell you what, you don't want to put a ton of herbs in place of your vegetables either because it's simply not necessary. Do you find yourself overwhelmed and intimidated at the thought of planning a vegetable garden? Do you find that you just would rather go to the nursery and buy whatever they have and come home and plant it? Don't do that this season. Instead, join me in a free live workshop called Wild Child Companion Planting. I am going to show you the Wild Child Companion Planting method that has worked so well for hundreds of gardeners and I'm gonna help you get a companion plan for your garden too. Get all the details at releaseyourinnerwildchild.com forward slash companions. Okay, once you've got your vegetables and you've got your herbs on your plan, you're ready to add your flowers. Now the flowers are the cherry on top in the wild child garden. Here's why. Yes, they're beautiful, of course, but they bring so much eco-diversity to your garden, you will not believe the difference in your harvest. I'm being so serious right now. Whenever we plan a wild child garden, 
Of course, we're going to prioritize the vegetables. Of course, we're going to add in those pest-deterring herbs that are cut and come again and are going to continue just giving to us all season. But we are also going to make space for the beauty of the flower because not only will that transform your entire vegetable gardening space, it will also bring in all the pollinators that are going to come and enjoy the flowers, then visit your vegetables, giving you more harvest than you have ever seen. Now, I feel like we need to take a moment for this because this could be one of those moments where you're like, no way. Is it really that simple? Yes, it's really this simple. We have overcomplicated it so much. The only complication here is trying to figure out how you're going to put it all in the bed. That's it. And that's a pretty fun complication, right? Flowers are going to give you not only an amazing show of beauty, they're not only going to be a complete magnet to draw you to your garden. You're going to find yourself out there. I told you in the beginning that this way of gardening is going to transform your garden and your entire life. It will change your indoor space as well because you're going to be outside picking bouquets almost every day. Gardeners that I have the privilege of cheering on inside of my programs, they bring bouquets to their family members. They have bouquets sitting on every nightstand in their house, on their kitchen counter. They put them at the end of their driveway for their neighbors to enjoy and grab and take home with them. It's life-changing, but they also serve such a huge purpose. So not only are you enjoying the beauty of the flower, but when you plant the right ones, you are attracting the pollinators who are going to give you a tremendous harvest. It's absolutely amazing. So when you grow like this, you can expect to maximize your space. There is no square inch of soil that is not, you can expect to decrease disease big time and you can expect to eliminate weeds. That's because a companion planted garden, a wild child masterpiece garden is going to create for you an ecosystem of its own. Your garden has its own microclimate and I hate to be the person to tell you this, but most gardening microclimates are completely dead. They are void of life. Although they appear to be alive, they are not. I spend so much time teaching inside of the Kitchen Garden Academy how to get a garden that is alive. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because you look out there and you think it's alive. But let me tell you something. If you're using miracle Grow, the only reason your garden is alive and producing is because of the miracle that is miracle Grow, because it's raising things from the dead out there. I'm not kidding. This is such an important concept. It is a concept that will completely 
change the way that you garden and the way that you see yourself as a gardener. And it is a concept that is completely overlooked in most cases. That's why I'm teaching this free workshop. Wild child companion planting is completely free. And in this workshop, I'm going to show you the wild child companion planting method that has worked so well for so many people and it can work for you too. I want to help you create a garden plan that gives you the season that you have been wishing for. I know how it feels to go to the nursery with all the hope in the world to spend all of your money on your plants and come home and plant them however it just happens to fall out only to be frustrated at the end of the season with an underperforming garden, an overwhelming jungle that's covered in pest, ridden with disease, and full of weeds. No more. This is your season. Join me in my free live workshop at the link below in the show notes. Visit releaseyourinnerwildchild.com forward slash companions. And I'm going to see you there, I hope, because I'm telling you, it's the first step to success. It is the first step to success. Now, I have a little freebie for you because I know how much you love them. I have put together my favorite companions and not just my favorites, but the favorites of the gardeners that are in my programs, the Kitchen Garden Academy and the Wild Child Garden Club. We put together a little list for you. These are our favorite companions. You can download it at the link below. And I hope that you take this list and you at least start circling some of the things that you would love to have in your garden. I hope that you take this list with you to the nursery at the very least. But at the most, I hope you join me in this free workshop simply because I know the power of a well-planned garden. And I can tell you this much. It is going to change everything for you. When you have a garden that is beautiful, that is less work, that has fewer pests, that sees less disease and has no weeds, you are going to have a garden that you love. Add to that that you're harvesting from it 52 weeks a year. Add to that that you are making bouquets and sharing herb bundles and dehydrating herbs while you're busy picking and enjoying your vegetables. Oh my word, I told you. One simple change. A simple step in the beginning. And look, by the way, P.S., it's so much fun to create a garden plan. When you add this to your season's garden tasks, what you're going to find is that you now have a garden you love. And a garden you love is one that will change your life. It is one that will change the legacy of your family. This is so much bigger than just picking vegetables. We can do that too, and believe you me, we pick some vegetables. But it's bigger than that, and it starts with your plan. I hope this episode has inspired you today, and I hope that you will join me in my free workshop. I think you would get a ton of value from it. Until next week, keep growing. 
Thank you so much for joining me here today on the Wild Child Kitchen Gardening Podcast. I hope that you're leaving here today feeling confident, empowered, and inspired as a gardener. At Wild Child Kitchen Gardens, we grow gardeners. And my goal for this podcast is to leave you with actionable steps that you can take right now to turn your garden into a wild child garden that you love. To learn more about growing with me, visit www.releaseyourinnerwildchild.com and I'll see you next week.